0: gentlemen welcome back to the nashville tour stop podcast sitting across the living room from me today on our 99th episode is mr alex amato welcome back to the pod buddy thanks for having me brother good to be back so let's see you did this back would have been summer of 2021 or something like that
1: yeah something like that
0: back was that when we still had aaron cooper as the co-host
1: was she there? She was not there.
0: Um, that might have been who you were saying. It was in Will. For. Will was there hitting Will some buttons. Was there, so that would've yeah. been last summer? Maybe? Maybe? I don't know. Something <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> Time's kind don't of don't ask just me all blurred timelines. Together. exactly.
1: <sighs> What's
0: new, bud? I haven't seen you in twelve whole hours.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, we did have some fun last night at a uh, Hello Round Pin Drop. Pin drop song. Not too series. often we're on a round together anymore.
0: Yeah, we don't but get to perform together too often, and I don't get to good. perform on non-tour stop shows almost ever anymore. Right? Yeah, that was cool. That was a nice treat. It was a nice treat. You Thanks, were Lucas. In last minute, <laughs> and You yeah. got to play my nice Martin zero zero one
1: seven. Yeah, man, that was a treat. Thank you
0: again for, for <laughs> it's the trust. One of the nicest things I've ever purchased for myself, and I don't really even use it anymore. Yeah, it was sweet. I know I, I strummed that first chord, and just a cloud of dust. Went <laughs> <poof>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you can still see the cloud of dust that has settled on the case there and everything. Like you can still see the finger swipe that I showed you how dirty it was. Last yeah, night. yeah, it's gross. Well, I'm like, glad I'm she got some reps in. It. Yeah, I'm nervous to play it because it's cracked three times. Did you have to get those like repaired or? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it cracked on the side, uh, like the top side that I looked down at two times. But I think it cracked the second time because the repairman did a bad job the first time. And he was supposedly one of those like Martin certified repairmen. Right. And he was just a giant tool about it. And I kept bugging oh him God. like, bro, you've
1: had my guitar for eight months. Probably made that certification on Canva or something. <laughs> just like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> printed it off. I can't imagine it's not difficult to,
0: to fake that. To fake that. I mean, how yeah. am I going to verify it? Right. Call like, the the store in Nazareth, Pennsylvania, and be like, "Hello, I would like the. Do you know this man? <laughs> yeah. Who is this man? It's like I'm going to be a full Karen trying right. to get someone's Martin yeah. authorization. Did you buy it new? I did buy it new. That's weird, though. Yeah, that. which is why I was pissed that it cracked, and why I'm I i do not play it much because I bought it in 2016, so it's not even 10 years old, and it's already cracked three times. It doth cracked thrice. That's tough. Do you know what kind of wood it is? It's mahogany all over. Supposedly, supposedly is a hardwood, but the yeah. second time it cracked on these, uh, it does have a Sitka spruce top, and the top cracked once. That's weird, man. Yeah, I was livid, but I took the guitar to Carter's Vantage Guitars the third time it cracked, and they fixed it in... Yeah, I feel like they know what they're doing. They fixed it in <laughs> yeah. eight hours,
1: and they're like, yeah, it's, it's perfect now. They have guitars from like the 1700s over there, so yeah. they're, they're doing okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm
0: delighted that I, I have the guitar. I'm just nervous to play it now. That's why I've got these little
1: mini guitars. They're my road dogs now. The Eastman is nice. The That's Eastman's probably my a... favorite sounding small guitar. Because some of those small guitars sound really bad. Yeah. My Taylor mini I think it's criminal they charge so much money for that thing. Aren't
0: they like 800
1: bucks? Yeah, and they don't come with the pickup. <laughs> and then you buy the pickup for $100, and it sounds even worse. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, the, the Taylor guitars are famously awful sounding.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't really you want to get Taylor, into though. all this, but I do. I When I was in college, I was obsessed with Taylors, and I think it's because of just the way they look. Like They're such aesthetic guitars. They're pretty. They're very pretty. And they sound great when you play them acoustically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I didn't know anything about performing live or audio or anything like that when I got it. So in hindsight, I would have got something else, but I did change um, the pickup to the LR bags. You have the LR bags anthem in there now, right? Yeah. That's what and this Martin
0: has in it yeah. too. That made a huge difference. It's a top of my... the line guitar pickup.
1: Yeah. I'll, it's not At cheap. Acoustic guitar it's $300 pickup. for <laughs> 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 That's why for a lot of people that have like, you know, a $500 to $1,000 guitar, it's hard mm-hmm. to justify a $300 pickup. Yeah. But, I mean, I, yeah. it's definitely worth it, especially if people, you know, all right, so I do audio for anybody mm-hmm. who doesn't know this yet. Um, I do a lot of sound for Nashville tour stop and all over the place. And I should if, have said that at the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's fine. I just want to give some context. So I see a lot of people play and I just don't understand. I get it. That money's tight and musicians are broke. But your instrument is literally your job, mm-hmm. and people go years playing. Like please guitar. shop guitars. Invest in yourself, man! Please, for the love of God, <laughs> get you will play a that playable guitar, guitar for your ten thousand hours, and it exactly, will thank you. exactly, it is so worth it. Um, you Anytime don't even s- need an expensive guitar. Get a decent sounding cheap guitar and put a really nice pretty pickup in it Mm -hmm. and you'll be golden forever. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Like my little Eastman doesn't have uh, the Fishman inside of it like a lot of them do. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's part of why it doesn't sound bad because I don't think the Fishman pickups sound good. They're in a bunch of guitars too. Well, they have a lot of different
1: ones, Mm -hmm. I think.
0: So probably the cheap ones. Right. Exactly.
1: You get what you pay for. I think the pickup's more important than the guitar, honestly.
0: I would agree with that because, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Eddie Van Halen's Frankenstein guitar, he right, built yeah. it for like 150 bucks, and then he put a paraffin wax humbucker in it, and I think that was like $200. So the pickup itself cost more than the entire rest of the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And also, it does have a lot to do with like the player themselves because some people like literally know how to talk with the guitar. They know right. how to intonate that with their expression. fingers and their right hand technique but some of these people are j- they look like they're chopping down a tree you know <laughs> like i mean
1: you can tell a lot by the wrist action oh of, my gosh. of a player yeah, they're, they're <laughs> like
0: chopping yeah. at it with their elbow
1: and i'm like you're strumming some with of the your best, whole arm some of the best players i've seen it looks like they're using a paintbrush like they have so much mobility in their wrist and it makes and a big it difference looks amazing Guitar sounds amazing yeah right <laughs> We're, we're getting real deep into geek oh, yeah, territory right we now. Went, we went right into it. <laughs> start smoking, people.
0: <laughs> well, we start all of our episodes, as you know. You've produced many episodes of the podcast. How we, yeah. uh, how we start is by asking how we met.
1: Right. How did we meet Mr. Alex Amato? So I think on the last episode that I did with you... I said we met at Belcourt, which is probably a cop out, safe answer. Mm-hmm. But after doing some really some deep, really deep searching, in, yeah, some soul <laughs> some searching, soul searching <laughs> 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 I think we met at Live Oak before before a uh, tour stop ended. I think it was the last show okay. we did there. So, uh, What's your national sure. sure. Uh, sometime in June 2020 is when I moved here. So okay. yeah, I've been here three years and some change now.
0: Because that was around the time of the Black Lives Matter marches and everything, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. When they had the bar curfews and everything. Exactly. Yeah. That man, was what around a time. T- that was around the time we quit
1: doing shows. Our like- lives yeah. are beginning to sound like history books, man.
0: Like, <laughs> yeah, what hell of
1: a time to move so to Nashville. weird. You're like,
0: oh, it just opened up. It must be awesome. And you're like, civil unrest, <laughs>
1: <It's> scary, <laughs> yeah, racism. Exactly. Oh, no. The plague.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it was wild. But I mean, no better time. We had just... Finished, quotations, college. Mm-hmm. They kind of just, like, released us into the wild. Where did you, you go know? to college? UMass, Massachusetts. UMass. Yeah. What'd you study uh,
0: there? Chemistry. Ke- what? Yep. How have I known you for three years and I didn't know you studied chemistry? You definitely knew that. Because, you know, Demi's a chemist. Demi
1: is a chemist. Your girlfriend, Demi's my girlfriend. A yeah. science person. And we met in chemistry lab. Um... Yeah, at 8 a.m.
0: <laughs> what did you plan
1: on doing with a chemistry major? Um, well, I studied solar cell research in, uh, in college, and I got accepted to a um, material science program in Colorado for my uh, PhD. But, you know, COVID happened. I didn't really want to pay more for school. We're already poor. I don't want to yeah, pay more. Yeah, exactly. Be more poor. And I just couldn't see myself doing school again. So, yeah, I came down here. I was still obviously playing music. Mm-hmm. I started singing. I think my sophomore year of college. Okay. I started getting lessons through their music department. That's cool. Taking vocal lessons then? Yeah, that was fun. That was cool. Singing some
0: opera. You sing opera? Yeah. Well, I'm they so
1: much about you right now. They're very uppity. They don't have contemporary music. They <laughs> they just have classical music. You there. sing in the acapella choir, and then you sing yep. in the operas. I did choir, I did the operas,
0: I did all the... What's your voice part? Were time. you a tenor? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was not. <laughs> <laughs> I was not. I was not. I wish I was a bass. Yeah, I was a bass two-section leader for a long time. Oh, you time. were? Oh, dang. I was... I called myself the alpha male. <laughs> I was like, I have the lowest voice, I'm the best sight reader. Sounds about
1: right. I was like... I <laughs> I was See, like, I think you fooled us with all of your... Your <laughs> your cry screech crying stuff. I thought you were a baritone, maybe, because you have that upper range. But... I do have the upper range. My normal speaking also
0: voice got is, low is, low is low. pretty much right here, though. Yeah, but I mean, especially low when low. I sing my funny music, I don't use this voice. Well, I guess I, if I do the, the like the character of the you dumb use country it for, person, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, the dumb country guy for emphasis. Yeah. So last night I sang. The, uh, the How to Write a... Oh, no, I didn't sing the How to Write a Country song. Which ones did I do? I did Harassment. Harassment. Um, wedding. Went out with a bang.
1: And went out with a bang. That's the one where I scream, cry. <laughs> yeah, thanks for giving me a literal heart attack. like <laughs> we, Because I was running sound last night, and Lucas asked me to fill in, so I had to bring my iPad on stage. and I should like, have warned you. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, wait, is this the one? This is the one. And I just grabbed your fader and brought it down a little bit, because... <laughs> Yeah, that song. Smoking. That
2: song is a fun one
0: because (laughs) it's and it's always a fun way to start around, especially in front of people like those girls in the back last night that did not know who I was. Oh yeah, or what was about to happen.
1: So I get to see them be really uncomfortable. Like I haven't seen you be singing those songs and like laugh and actually enjoy them (laughs) for a while for a long time. Because most people already know them and they kind of laugh along. But I feel like those are very rewarding songs to play to a new room. Oh yeah. So that because those called, jokes hit so good yeah the, <laughs> this,
0: the song called "harassment." I used to preface it by like talking about like harassment and how it's an issue, but it's yeah. a play on words for those of you who haven't heard it because i didn't know how sad i'd be i didn't know how much harassment to me, and the first time I get to deliver that it's so great because <laughs> the first verse and half of the chorus aren't funny right it's a the whole the whole setup for that one Got you, and the uh, the my favorite line of the whole song is when I say uh, I touch her butt like I was Read reading braille, <laughs> dude. Lyrical genius.
2: It's so oh dumb, my God.
0: and that's one of the reasons why I like writing those funny songs is because the pressure to write something really deep and meaningful just goes out the door. Yeah, and you're like, what's the dumbest thing that I can put into words right now? <laughs> and, and Where did,
1: did that just like fall out of you?
0: Like, kind of. Yeah. Like, I forget how the, I put those two things together, but I think it had something to do with, like, having, like, I had a zit or something, and I was feeling it on my face, and I was like, it's kind of like I'm reading Braille on my face right now. <laughs> and then I was like, that'd be funny if I was, like, touching my butt. I was like, <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but you've been writing songs since when? How old were you when you wrote the first one?
1: 18 or 19, I think. That, like, early college years? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I well, when I was really young, I had you know an Epiphone electric guitar, and I learned you know one by Metallica and like some <laughs> "Wake Me Up When September." I, yeah, is. Some, well, not even. I was more on the heavier stuff, the really? Metallica, the Iron Maiden, the Pearl Jam. Oh yeah, I just learned the solos, you mm-hmm. know, and I think I was pretty good at it. But then I just stopped, and so that was really my only music. I played drums a lot. Um, and then I stopped, and yeah, then I picked up music again in college. Okay. So that's when I started writing and actually playing, like, rhythm guitar and <laughs> not just messing around. Not just dicking uh, around. Yeah, exactly. Noodling, while right? <laughs> yeah. Do you still have that Epiphone? I do. It's at my parents' house. It's uh, It's not a great guitar. Gotcha. Yeah. It was a starter guitar. I mean... I think it's not supposed to be right but it definitely feels like one Mm -hmm. i've had it set up many times just hoping that i could use it one day but it's just not the one (laughs) (laughs) so i have a fender strat now that's which is actually a guitar right yeah
0: yeah i i remember when you got that because you got it not too long ago right like within the last year or so
1: that's another one that was another at, one at my parents house and i would go back there sometimes because i didn't have an electric guitar here and so i would go visit them and i was like maybe i'll take this epiphone back with me just to have something to you know shred on because i wanted to practice lead guitar um but he had that fender there my dad did and he was like yeah i got it in canada for like three hundred dollars so cool. like you can take it if you want it and i plugged them both in and i was like oh yeah the fender sounds way nicer <laughs> and it was like half the price of this Epiphone. That's <laughs> <So> awesome. <laughs> I'm going to run away with this one. Proof again that a really oh. expensive guitar
0: doesn't mean a really good guitar. Right, yeah. I forget I, who I did an episode with. It might have been this podcast or maybe a different one, but it was about like what makes like a good guitar. And there's it's so subjective. There's a bajillion things, but it I guess it really just comes down to which one feels best to you as the player. Yeah. Because like my Les Paul here that wasn't the model. She's so Gibson. pretty, man. It's a beaut. It's <laughs> yeah. not the guitar that I wanted to buy, though, when I went to the Gibson garage. Really? I wanted to get this specialty version of a Gibson Explorer where they had, like, the top uh, wedge of it where your right arm would hang over. That part was cut off.
1: Oh, and yeah. And then yeah. it had a
0: recessed, uh, like, elbow thing like a Strat does. So it had kind of like a Strat top with a Explorer Bottom. It looked really cool. Is that a
1: custom? It was a
0: custom. Oh, okay. But it looked so cool and it was surprisingly cheap. It was only I mean, granted, it was like fifteen hundred dollars. But yeah, given that everything else at the Gibson Garage is like six thousand dollars.
1: Right. (laughs) We take those. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but
0: I went there and I asked the salesman for it and I was like, Hey, do you have this special like Gibson Explorer and it's like orange and sparkly? And he goes, Oh no! Like we sent that back to the factory, man. Nobody yeah, wanted it. <laughs> and I was like, "I'm here to buy it right now." And he goes, "Really? Damn. I mean, I can call the factory. No. We could see if we could find it." And I was like, "Nah, I'll just find something else." Oh my
2: god!
0: <laughs> but I really loved the way that that other one played. In my beef with the Les Paul, and it's the same as all Les Pauls. It's just how heavy they are. They are. It's like, They're like 12, 13 pounds Yeah, I feel like it's going <laughs> to dislocate my shoulder. Yeah. But it does play really well, and it it rocks. It's like a, a heavy guitar.
1: The Far Cry from your Kramer. Far Cry from
0: the Kramer, <laughs> which is that like 80s shredder guitar with the, the yeah. whammy bar, Floyd
1: Rose. Wee, 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 wee. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like Zoiberg. <laughs> Oh my god!
0: <laughs> so you moved to Nashville in 2020. What was the uh, the reasoning behind Nashville and, and nowhere else? Because you and your girlfriend moved here together. Yeah. Was there a discussion of other places,
1: or was it always here? Uh, I think for me, in hindsight, it was always here. Um, we we had both applied to uh, graduate schools, and nothing really seemed good. Nothing really worked out, and um, I was like, well. I'm going to go down here. Do you want to come with me? And, you know, thank God she was down and available.
0: <laughs> You're like, so, and
1: that's how the story yeah. ended. <laughs> You're right. No, that, Nothing. Would be, <laughs> that would be sad.
0: Yeah. So you guys have lived here for now three years. And was, uh, what was the first thing that, like, really made you feel like you lived here and not just, like, like a vacation because you know that feeling where you move to a new place and you just go out and you're having fun and then eventually it sets in that like, oh, no, I just live here. Like, this is my life now.
1: Dude, I don't know because, like, what a weird time to be alive that was. Like, everything was kind of shut down. I was just Ubering and, I don't know, paying rents. Demi got a job like two months in. There's no one moment. I think I'm still feeling like it's becoming home more and more. It's cool. Like I feel way more Nashville now than I was a year ago. Gotcha. And I think a lot of that plays into like how I feel on stage, how I feel about my music, how I feel about my career here. So it's just a developing thing. I remember. I do you have a moment? I, I don't <laughs> like,
0: think I had like a set moment, but I do remember the first time that I realized that Nashville was home was because I used to go back and visit my family in Missouri and they would ask like oh well I hope you're having a good time in town but like when are you going to move home mm-hmm. and I remember my dad said when are you going to move back home and I said oh I am home I live I live home like I have to right. go back home and I was like oh I do feel like Nashville's home and it just kind of clicked in that moment but I feel yeah there wasn't like a watershed moment of like I played this show and I live here right now
1: I'm I'm what, what's the word um not indoctrinated almost <laughs> <laughs> uh, <what's the> word? <laughs> the uh initiated, initiated initiated right
0: yeah i don't know if there's an initiation for i feel like my initiation into nashville was playing at the bluebird open mic right yeah. after i moved here that's a cool one yeah it was the first first place i ever performed in nashville and same
1: yeah let's go did you do the
0: <laughs> the open mic as well
1: Um, I did. It was for that Golden Pick Mm -hmm. competition, and that was before I moved here. Right. Oh, so I guess that is a reason why I was definitely motivated to move here because of that. But Had you won the Golden Pick? Is that what it was? uh Yeah, I was still in college. Is that the competition where you win the GS Mini? Yeah, so we were talking about <laughs> the MIDI that I was, you know, kind of raking on. Here <laughs> yeah, you're like, great, thanks for this free guitar that I don't love. <laughs> it's it's great. I love it, and I bring it to. It's mainly like my writing guitar, right? I bring it to rights because it's smaller, and I have it on my motorcycle, so it's not. You don't. Get a it's bunch not of as drag. much of a wind sail. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you don't no. feel like you're driving down the
0: highway with a flag, right? Or something. <laughs> Wide load. <laughs> <laughs> I do always think it's funny when I see motorcycle drivers with the guitars on their back. And I'm like, you are. Do you see it a lot? A couple of times. I've never seen it. Really? Yeah. But Um, I mean, I've definitely seen it. It's not regular because like I've never even ridden a motorcycle. It would freak me out to have something with that much drag, like pulling back. It's not too
1: bad. Is it not too bad? You don't feel it under 60 miles an hour. Do you feel it if you drive faster? A little bit. But I mean, do you take the interstates yeah. very often on the motorcycle? Yeah, all every day. Every day. Man, just on my way over here was a battle. Like, yep. Just the constant disregard for people's like literally people's lives. Yep. That people have when they're in a car is just dumbfounding. Like yeah, and it's it's
0: so much of that exact thing combined with the absolute lack of awareness that I feel like pedestrians also have. Oh, yeah. Because I, uh, I was driving home yesterday from, I think it was the pin drop show last night, and I was rounding the hill around this big corner, and then there was just, out of nowhere, a woman just walking across the street with her dog. I'm like, why did you choose the one perfect like top of the hill blind, blind spot? Blind drive, yeah. And she's wearing like, all black and it's like, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> why wouldn't you have waited? I'm the only car coming, but I instead had to like screech to a halt to not hit her. And I'm like, did you not see my headlights? Right. Like, I was watching. You weren't. So it's it's the combination between the people who don't watch where they're driving and then also don't watch where they're walking, meet smack. Like, that's that's one of the things that is tough about living here, is just how not just even with driving like the blatant disregard for everything.
1: Yeah. Especially downtown, mm-hmm. like I feel like downtown is built kind of like and marketed as this big adult playground, <laughs> but there's literally like <laughs> highways running through it. Yep. So it's like <laughs> uh maybe don't be in the street.
0: Yeah, I, I I've also seen a lot lately of motorcyclists doing wheelies
1: on the interstate.
0: Yeah. And I've thought about calling the police because like that seems so dangerous.
1: Police aren't going to do anything. <laughs> police will. Great. Call us after they've crashed. Right. Yeah, we'll send an ambulance. Yeah, oh that's God. a that's a harsh reality of living here. I've never been a speed well, I've been a speed demon, but not a wheelie like kind of guy. I just I don't know if I've got the this stones point, for it. Yeah, at this point in my life, I just want to cruise and get where I'm going alive.
0: <laughs> and, you know, like, is this your first motorcycle? No.
1: What, no. You, what other motorcycles I've have you had? had <laughs> my first motorcycle was a Kawasaki Ninja 650. Okay. Um, and when I went, I was 18, and my parents strictly forbade me for my whole life for getting, to get a motorcycle. <laughs> and so I turned 18. I showed up at this guy's house, gave him three grand, and hopped on it. I've never driven a motorcycle in my life. You know, did that thing where you pull the clutch back, and then you freak out, and you hold it, and the bike flies out from under you, <laughs> and the guy runs outside, and he's like, what the f-? <laughs> And so, I'm like, yeah, sorry, this is my first time. So, he kind of showed me how to drive it, how to figure it out. I drove it around his parking lot for a while, and then I left and went home. <laughs> The rest is history. Bad decisions from Alex, part one. Um, I bought like a $1, thousand dollar nineteen eighty Suzuki okay. that I like chopped in half and like welded into a bobber kind of thing. That sounds safe. Right, exactly. <laughs> Bad decisions from Alex, part two. No, but it's still it's still kicking. It's at in my parents' shed. Um, and now
0: you drive an electric motorcycle, right? Oh yeah, right. Yeah saving the planet how the turning tables have turned (laughs) well 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 how the turntable i watched that episode of the office like
1: two days ago god so the motorcycle life do you do you have a regular car i don't No, i did when i bought this one and then it like the most freak possible i guess the piston shot through the engine block or something Mm -hmm. like something ridiculous and it died on me, like, two months after I got this motorcycle. So, I just said, well... I bet you love the winter time. Gonna own it now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just saying, I don't know if I can do another one. I've done two winters on this motorcycle. That's brutal. It's tough, but, you know...
0: You layer. Right. Like, and five I mean, or
1: six layers. It's worth it now, in the fall and the summer. When it's beautiful. The fall. It was 90 degrees driving over here. I don't know yeah, what's going loved on. It yeah, I love the fall and nashville
0: lasts until like mid-november <laughs>
1: yeah yeah and then it'll just cut right off and then it's just and cold 40
0: <laughs> it yeah. usually becomes like cold cold around my birthday which is november the 13th. 13th and i always wanted to have like an outside party like birthday pool party it's like a bonfire have a big bonfire Be super country yeah have a, bo- a bonfire in my tiny little front yard here in front right. of the condo right yeah yeah <laughs> i'll just get a big like trash can and right. throw a bunch of garbage into it and we can huddle around like it a like a tailgate circle and just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: i'm sure the neighbors will love that
0: yeah well hey let's take a quick commercial break on the podcast and we'll come right back here with alex motto on episode number 99 on Woo! the nashville tour stop podcast <laughs> We're back with the Nashville Tour Stop podcast, Alex Amato sitting across the living room from me today, and Casa de Phyllis sitting here with the uh, dog breathing heavily, and she's got the the giant tongue and the drippy nose, and I feel like there's just little wet spots all over my couch constantly.
1: She was hard at work on that little toy. She was going to half on that thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I gave her one of those uh, rubber Kongs filled with peanut butter. And it lasts for about it lasts for about forty five minutes, but she just destroys those things.
1: And she's just a sweet little devil. Yeah, she really is. Yeah, she has she ever, well, has she ever not liked somebody that's come over?
0: She has barked at people, but she's never been like mean persistently. Yeah. I think she's just territorial a little bit. Oh for sure. And she's, she's definitely protective lot, so. of me. Yeah. Like I was That's at so a, sweet. I think it was at a house show about a month ago. I mm-hmm. played out in Madison and I brought Phyllis with me because Oh, was that I like, for Elena? Yeah, it was for yeah. Elena's show. Lena's mm-hmm. I forget exactly what her the right around I think is what her round is called. Yeah. But we were going to do it outside and it was gonna be like a little bonfire show and I asked, I was like, Hey, is it dog friendly? Can I bring my pup? And they're like, sure, of course. And then it thunderstormed, and everything got moved inside with the other dogs. Uh-oh. And I was, like, sitting with Phyllis in my lap, and the other dog didn't even look oh, at me. He just baby. walked nearby, and Phyllis goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> And I'm like, Jesus. Like, and here she's just smiling about it now. Right. She's like, see, I protected you. Don't mess with my wiener. Don't mess with my <laughs> wiener. Yeah, it's that confirmation bias that, like, if a male man walks up and they bark, the mailman and then the mailman leaves they're like i protected i'll do this right right can't make them not do it you have
1: two kitty cats though don't you i do yeah what are their names i've got hinata who's our oldest and she's a bangle and then we've got temma and he's a little baby boy so (laughs) (laughs) you uh you got them not too long ago right we got the youngest one um over the summer from a shelter. Have you and always been a cat person? Yeah, we had cats uh, growing up. I did. Demi had a dog, but she loves her cats. I love cats. They're just I don't know. They're chill. I, they I vibe with them. Thing. I love dogs too, but dogs are just like a lot of work and this thing is so fucking needy.
0: Yeah. I swear. Yeah. And here, she's so cute, but dang. I got to I got to brush her all the time just like, Right. Someone yeah. told me a dirty, rotten lie and said long-haired dachshunds don't shed. They all shed. This if they thi- got hair, they're losing it. This thing,
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm pretty sure I have pulled a carbon copy of Phyllis out of my laundry <laughs> because I have taken so much hair
1: out of that thing. I'm like, yeah. where where does it come from? Speaking of carbon copies, what about that guy at Sonny's last night? Oh my god. That literally gosh. looked like Aaron
0: Shilb. <laughs> I was, I was just sitting watching the show, and then Alex and Caroline oh DeLone, they just tapped me on the shoulder and pointed at this other dude who's wearing a, like a dark gray baseball hat and a denim jacket and dark shoes and jeans, and I was like, oh my God, is that what it I look you, like? It was you, man. Yeah, it was. It was super trippy. It was a image. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little spooky. Caroline yeah. took a video of it, too, and sent it to me, and I was like, oh my God. Right. It was like, Nightmare I, think I didn't wear my Canadian tuxedo tonight. Right. I have been doing Tis the, the uh, season. The white tennis shoes lately to try to change it up before I go full country, you know, winters. Right, right. Like, I bought a new denim jacket there, which is just the exact (laughs) same as my old one. Just a little darker. Just just a little darker. Well, actually, the other one was that dark when I bought it, and I just wore that denim jacket. Right. That one in the middle there was my COVID denim jacket, and I wore that all through the Alley Taps, like, uh... (gasps) What do you call them? Speakeasy shows, yeah. During all of those times, but that is one of the nice things about the South, I guess. If you want not even want to call it that, like nashville's like the northernmost part of the South, but yeah. it doesn't really get that cold here that no, often. Yeah. Like it'll get down below freezing a couple of times a year, and it may snow once or twice, but it's never like
1: eighty inches or whatever. It's just like oh well, yeah, That's... six
0: snowflakes. <laughs>
1: right. It's the only reason I'm able to yeah ride a motorcycle the whole winter like it's usually bearable and there's no snow there's no snow there is just it lasts for like two days yeah and then the whole city catches on fire and then everything's fine
0: (laughs) (laughs) the one person who doesn't know how to drive cascades and with a domino effect just everybody (laughs) nobody knows how to drive and crash 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 bang boom dead
1: Yep. That's the traffic. <laughs> and then we start over in spring. And then we start yeah. over every year Yeah, <laughs> every year race. The
0: Great Purge of Winter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I I think that's my only real beef with Nashville. Because I do love it here. Mm-hmm. But the just with this like the speed Nashville's growing right now, it's so hard getting anywhere. Cause there's never like when when is the like easy time to drive
1: through town? There's not. Yeah.
0: Never. Right. I have to drive through like six
1: construction zones to get anywhere. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm seeing I'm still part of this Facebook group from my, from my hometown in Massachusetts, and there's a fair going on that lasts for like a couple weeks there, mm-hmm. and everybody's blowing up the, the chat being like, look at this picture of. We have two-way streets. You know, it's just a country <laughs> town. It's not they're a big like, It's backed up. I sat in traffic for 10 minutes today because of this stupid fare. <laughs> I'm
0: like, shut the fuck up. Shut like Man, a fast <laughs> drive in Nashville is 10 minutes. Literally. Like, 10 minutes. It takes me 10 minutes to get to the Cambria Hotel, which from my house here is 1.8 miles to throw away. a rock and hit the Cambria.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's close. It's but, tough. like, that's one of the reasons why. So, I live over here in, like, west-ish Nashville. But... If someone's like, Hey, I'm playing at D's Country Cocktail Lounge in Madison, I was like, Well
1: Yeah. Have fun.
0: <laughs> I love that place. And I'm like, Well have a
1: good time. Yeah. But it's so far away. And they one of the anytime you have to cross the river there mm-hmm. and deal with those highway intersections that bottleneck they get yeah, the bottlenecks. Yeah, forget it.
0: Yeah, look so. at us hyper complaining about super localized information. Right, I know. Okay. Hey. <laughs> to all of you listening out of the city. This is great conversation. Don't come here. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it sucks because people love coming here for like the Broadway tourist thing. Yeah. But when our friends come to visit, they're like, what is there to do that's not Broadway and go to bars? I'm like, um, you can go to a bar elsewhere. Right. Like what, what off the top of your head, what is there to do in Nashville that's not go to a bar or go listen to
1: music? That's like unique. Or Anything. I think that's the problem. People always want something very Nashville. And I'm like, I don't know, go bowling, <laughs> go swimming. Uh, like,
0: I think the most a, unique Nashville thing they could do is that they could go to the dive motel.
1: Yeah, so, that, that's a cool spot. Just, if you just want to chill. Yeah. Like, I don't know what, I think people just have such high expectations, but, but, but there's it's literally like really nothing. It's to just do. a city. Like, yeah. There's bars. Uh, I usually recommend a lot of speakeasies to people mm-hmm. because Demi and I love going to places like Patterson House or Fox Bar or getting overpriced drinks for some reason. Demi loves. Shout you out to me. You do have a really <laughs> wonderful girlfriend who loves very
0: nice things. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, you said the Fox Bar. That one's above the Bowery Vault, which is this like teeny tiny venue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Love I took place. a girl on a date to the Fox once, and she's like, "Hey, do you want to go upstairs and go watch some music?" I was like, "No." <laughs> hard no. no. <laughs> it's like hard <laughs> no because yeah. like I'm I I call myself a D-minus celebrity. Like yeah. I'm not famous. I just barely didn't fail. But Anytime I go to a place that has music, there's a small chance I'll know someone there. And oh, then yeah. I have to be, you know, Aaron, Nashville tour stop. Yeah. And I like to go be the dude. I just want to be some guy. And it happened once <laughs> on a date. I forget where I was, but... Oh, no, 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 no. I was at Poncho and Lefty's over in Sylvan oh, Park. that place is fire. It's yeah. So It's great food. That I was on a first date there. It was a Bumble date, granted. Mm-hmm. But... Rip. we were on a date there and three people came up to me and they're like, Aaron, how you doing, man? How's tour stop going? And to this girl, it looked like I had set up a bunch of my friends to come like talk to me be like, oh, I love your shows, man. Do people do that? Yes. <laughs> people do that. And it was so embarrassing because after the, like the third one, this girl goes, so, uh, These are paid
1: actors. Yeah, she she (laughs) she
0: literally thought that I had coordinated that to make myself look good, and I was like, "I'm really sorry, I did not plan any of this, and I never got to go out with her again because I kind of felt like a pretentious like asshole because from her perspective, it's like all these people coming up to me, and it was literally. I feel like that's her fault though. Like maybe because.
1: That's just the reality of your situation.
0: But I'm also... It wasn't (laughs) like like strangers coming up to me. It would be like you coming up to me at Poncho's and lefty. Yeah. Like, like, you're my friend. (laughs) Right. It's like, I just know a lot of people, and I have a lot of... I have a lot of, like, very surface-level acquaintances. Right. Like,
1: hundreds of these surface-level acquaintances. Well, that's just this whole town, man. Everybody knows everybody. Why are you being so weird about people saying hi? Hi. Like... It'd be it'd be weirder
0: if somebody walked it'd be weird if I was at Poncho and Lefties and you didn't say hi.
1: Right. <laughs> I'd yeah. Be like, what the hell No, dude? I would just I would just give you a silent like salute from from across the room. We're I like would not up. now that I know this story, I will never say hi to you again in public. Yeah. Leave me alone, you dude. Right, right. I cannot risk you looking too famous. Oh yeah. In front of your suitors. You don't want to bump me up to that <laughs> yeah. D
0: average right. celebrity. <laughs> So what are you drinking today, Mr.
1: Amato? Uh, We got some Black Abbey, Tennessee IPA. That is a good one. Free beers I snagged from this uh, wedding I went to. (laughs) Oh, you know how I feel about the free beer at weddings. Aaron loves free beers. (laughs) Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. I
0: think for the first time in my life, I am experiencing what it's like to be a hot person on the street. Because when I take her for walks, <laughs> I get so much unwanted oh attention. God. What is going on? <laughs> and like, I'll walk down the street with her on 12 South, and I'll have people like, "Oh, your dog is so cute," and I'm like, "Thanks, I know." I know. <laughs> and I had a date a few days ago, and it, uh, it, like I came home, and the girl was driving away, and. I got my dog and I took her out for a walk and I wasn't 10 steps out of my front door before one of the Airbnbs next door had a bunch of people getting dropped off and they were immediately like, oh, your puppy's so cute. And I'm like, it's 10 15 in the night. I'm in, just taking in the a walk. <laughs> I'm not here to have a conversation. It's like, we're not, a, I'm not, a, you're not going to invite me in. I'm not going to come hang out with you and drink, Core's light on your patio. Yeah. It's like, I'm walking my dog. I want to go back inside. But right. I've never known what it was like to be hot and have people look at you. And I understand now, not great. <laughs> How long did it take
1: for Phyllis to make your, uh, your dating your My socials? dating life? It took uh, two days. <laughs> to it be plastered on the dating apps. <laughs> yeah. I immediately put Phyllis
0: into one of my profile pictures on uh, on Bumble. And we saw an exponential increase. <laughs> it was two days after I got her because I think I picked her up on a Monday, mm-hmm. and uh, not too long thereafter, a girl came to Sonny's for one of our shows with tour stop, and was immediately just like, "I saw your puppy on Instagram. She's so cute. Did you bring her?" And I was like. No, I'm at work right now. Yeah. <laughs> in a bar with lots of people and noise. Mm. She's like, Oh, well, I would love to meet your dog sometime. And I was like, Okay.
1: Like I I get it, dogs are cute, but I would never like go out of my way no. to meet somebody's dog. I've had like, people come <laughs> out of their way
0: to meet this dog. And I'm like, Yeah, she's cute. <laughs> but I'm like, I'll meet her eventually. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll meet her eventually. But it's so weird that people will do stuff like that. They'll just derail an entire part of their day to be like, I'm going to go
1: meet a dog. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> No Like if I put If I had dating apps And I put my cats on there I'm sure it would have The total opposite effect You know <laughs> what I mean I don't know what it is About dogs I don't know Yeah I, I mean I see lots of Pictures of
0: girls With their cats And everything And oh, it does man. not have The same effect My first response <laughs> Is not like Oh I want to come Meet your cat I'm like Right I have a cat <laughs> Let's go somewhere
1: Right. You yeah. You can yeah. show me pictures if you anyways.
0: Cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Alex, I know you started a business here in town as I've been working with you for a long time. Yeah. You started Amadio A V Solutions. Yeah. Uh-huh. Would you tell us about the uh, the reason why you felt like starting a business was something you were interested in and a little bit about what you do? Ooh. Man, there were so many reasons.
1: Um Let's just it, start a it bullet someone started... here all all ten thousand of them. <laughs> I mean, I started sound when I moved here and I kind of fell in love with it. You know, anybody who loves music can kind of relate to uh, something about making your friends feel and sound good on stage was always important to me. And that made me feel like I was part of the music. And um, eventually I started realizing, especially when TikTok came around. When did that come around? 2020-ish. Like, I would yeah. Say late so that 2019, was like yeah, early that was the renaissance of. Because like the short uh, form content started big when COVID shut everything down. Oh right, exactly. So I think it was right around that time, and um, like it was just everything was experimental at that point. But it it was mainly when we moved to Sonny's in the clubhouse was when I had that was my first like room where it was I was kind of in charge of all the stuff that was going on, and anybody who knows me knows like at Belcourt and Cabana and places like that I would just sit at the soundboard. I would mix the round, make sure it sounded good, and I would just like read a book or something. And I was like, what can I do now to like maximize my time while I'm working? And when I got that room at Sonny's, I was like, why don't I try taking live track, multi-tracks from the board and mixing those for people? And so I just did that as an experiment, and they sounded great. And then eventually I was like, why don't I include video with this too? And I just started using iPhones, and I was doing it for free for, like, two months, just, like, getting my friends' Mm -hmm. videos. And I was putting those together and putting the audio on top of it, and everybody was kind of telling me how unique that was, that no rounds or venues had built-in video audio content It's a cool thing to be able to offer. Right, and... I feel like the audio, because, you know, you can tune vocals, you can make guitar, you can, you know, splice up guitars if they miss a chord, mm-hmm. and you can copy and paste a different chord in there and make sure it's all good. So, like, it's low pressure. The videos sound great. and I they, see your videos yeah. all over the internet now. Yeah, and it's awesome to see it taking off, and people really enjoy them. And the biggest thing, I think, was that it, they were cheap. They were hella cheap. Like, I was charging, well, obviously, I was doing it for free in the beginning just to get my chops up and figure out how this was going to work. And then I was charging like 20 bucks. Yep. And back then I would also do photography. So I would take like 10 photos mm-hmm. and give you like a, a full song mixed and mastered. And it would be like $20. That's <laughs> People were awesome. like, what is going on here? Um, it's a steal. Right. And I was justifying it by saying, well, I'm already working. I'm already paid to be here. Mm-hmm. So the only time I'm taking is the time at home to edit these real quick. Right. And I've just really wanted to help my friends out, you know, because content's expensive as hell. It's so f- In this town. Expensive. And I get it as an artist, too. Like, I need content all the time, but I don't have the money for that. So mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to make a, an intermediate level thing where people can get a good looking product, post, cut it up, put it on TikTok, put it on Instagram or just YouTube or something. And, yeah, that was the whole that's the whole business. So now it's uh taken off a bit and I enjoy it. I love doing it a lot.
0: And it's not it it's not too time consuming like you said, because most of the, mm-hmm. the the effort is just getting it recorded and then you just get to push
1: stuff together and trim it together and pick which camera angle do I use here. Right. Yeah. I'd say the most time consuming part of of mixing these is is doing the vocals. Mm-hmm. Because um like I have presets that I can kind of just adjust the compression, adjust the gain, and re EQ everything really fast. But I do go through manually every vocal track and make sure every note's decent. Decent, right? You're not gonna go and I don't. I don't want corrected. it auto tuned, but I want people to be happy. Or if they fluff a little here, that they're not gonna be. Cause I'm a perfectionist right. <laughs> with my own stuff, so I get it. But um. And yeah, I feel like that takes pressure off of people. Like when I know somebody's recording, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I got to do really good right now. But if you know things are going to be tuned and things can be saved later, it just allows you to have more fun and Yeah, and the the pressure
0: of, of having one or two songs recorded during a performance is way lower than being like okay, so I have to hire a videographer to shoot a 45 minute show yeah, and it's going to cost $500 just for them to be here to film it. And then an additional 500 or a thousand for them to edit it. And then what if I screw up? Right. And you're like, well, all of this footage is useless. Yep. Like my, I learned my lesson the hard way when I was, I think it was my second year in Nashville. I actually played my first full band set ever at the Cambria hotel. No way. I played my first full band set ever with a band that I uh, used to be in. Yeah. And we hired a live engineer to come track everything. Oh my God. And we hired a videographer to come shoot the whole show. I had like, f- we had four cameras. We were doing a whole thing. We were going to release a live album. There was a whole bunch of stuff happening for the band. So we're like, okay, all this content we will need. We'll be able to release live singles. We'll be able to release the live album, everything. And then the. Uh, actual live sound engineer was terrible and we were getting high-end feedback all the time and ringing and then that ruined the post-production edit because we were getting the microphones yeah we were getting all of the feedback that would bleed through so if we tried like pitch correcting something you'd hear the feedback reading through so it ruined that and then in the end the band broke up, and all of this content that we paid for was just useless. That's so and I was like, wow, I wish that I had thought maybe let's have them film one song. Great, great model, you it you've out done first. <laughs> yeah. well,
1: that's why I love the idea of being the engineer and the the guy who's doing the multi tracking and the post processing. Yeah, so I I applaud you for doing something that people actually need. Thanks, man, and
0: yeah. n- not <laughs> charging six hundred dollars for it because there's also I know you know who I'm talking about when there's these rounds that'll be like oh we'll book you to play and then you can have this video for of there's your there's add-ons yeah six hundred yeah. bucks or something or a thousand dollars yep and that's just crazy for one yeah. and I I would never. In my life, tell someone you can't play if you don't buy my media package because right. that's like the definition of pay to play, which I'm very publicly
1: against. But there's lots of places that are just chill with it. Yeah, man, I've encountered a lot of those scenarios, and I do get obviously charging what you're worth and you know putting your time into account, but it's gone to a whole nother level in this town. Mm-hmm. To, of absurdity. To, to taking advantage right. of people, of yeah, and absurdity, don't know better. right? And it's like some people will like. For my videos right now, I landed on a happy point of like forty dollars mm-hmm. per song. I'll mix the audio, and granted, it's because I'm already being paid to work there. But this even is if fall I tr-
0: if like right now, if you're hearing the forty dollar quote, uh, right? It yeah, yeah. Not yeah. Cost the same I, I'm worried or.
1: about throwing numbers out there, but for the sake of conversation, it's just like I try to charge. An honest price, and especially because this is a new business for me and everything, but people will be like, "Oh, that's too cheap. You're undervaluing what we do as professionals." I, and I get it. If you're a professional, you charge your price because that's what you're worth. I get that. But there are some people that are charging what professionals charge to do a beginner's job, right? Just because they can. Like, I've I've had. I've gone to shoot video at a venue and had asked the engineer to plug in the USB just to get a left-right mix. Mm-hmm. Noth- they didn't have to do anything but plug in the USB, and they wanted $100 just to do that. Really?
0: Yeah. What?
1: <laughs> yeah. I was like, why? They're like, because it's a professional mix. That's... I was like, no, the venue paid you for the professional mix. Right. So What's the problem? It's charging because you can. Yeah, And that pisses me off.
0: I've, like, I've experienced the same problem with uh, venues asking for tour stop shows is tour stop has a rate that we charge for events. And like you said, there's there's variables that may make something cheaper or more expensive, but some places will be like, oh, well, why would we even pay you if there's people who will do it for free? I'm like, yeah. well, you can hire a monkey and they'll work for peanuts mm-hmm. or you could hire a an adult who works (laughs) for money (laughs) yes like
1: you do pay for what you get but well yeah and rounds or uh bar owners are starting to realize that i think Mm -hmm. especially you know in our circles recently it's it's much easier to work with people and just pay the money um like torstout for example just has really good marketing you already have a brand you already have graphics that you can kind of just Stamp and ship yeah. it out, and like stamp and print, you're good to go. Like you've got the whole brand ready, and yeah, that's what they're paying. It's
0: for. easy for these venues to insert it, be, insert it. Wow, I really overinsert yeah, it, it. <laughs> insert it. But, but it's, it's easy for these venues because it's just like this comprehensive thing that I offer. It's like we do all of the digital marketing and all of the booking right. and all of the promotion, and then there's someone on site to handle all of the performers, mm-hmm. and then we'll coordinate with the sound engineer, and it takes okay. all of the pressure off of the venue to make sure that it goes smoothly, but. When somebody
1: does that for free, they're making like an Instagram post. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It comes out the day that the show is happening. And then three of the people cancel because they forget that, Oh, I double booked myself. Sorry. I can't play. And then you post on your Instagram story. Hey, openings tonight. Like there's a difference between a a professional and, and somebody who's doing it brand new, but like you're trying to create this professional brand with a Mario and you're not, charging an arm and a leg for it and that's one reason why i'm seeing your content everywhere is because you've made content affordable for musicians
1: yeah i definitely go for quantity well definitely quality is important Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah it's not shitty stuff you're putting people are like why don't you charge a hundred dollars for one of these songs and i'm like because nobody would do nobody would buy it right the whole point of my content is that it's casual you're going to play around. You're like, yeah, I can afford that for this round and I can use that. It's usable, it's affordable. And, and would I make maybe the same amount of money charging 100 cuz like fewer people would do it, but it's more money.
0: Have you ever thought but, about the cost of something in
1: terms of like how many hours you'd have to work to afford it? Uh oh, of course. Of yeah. course. Well, cuz I was absolutely broke until I started this thing. And so now every time I go out, I'm like this drink will cost me half of a video <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like, it's like yeah. great my tab is going to cost
0: me an entire night's work
1: oh yeah yep. had those nights. so
0: what's your uh like ultimate goal for amadio do you want to continue doing this kind of stuff would you want to get into like a subscription service so somebody could be like hey i'm gonna play four rounds this month and then you can do that is there anything like that that you're hoping to work into
1: um, I don't know about subscription stuff, but I definitely like this is so new. We've I've only been doing it for not even a year yet, and the growth has been crazy. I think I just want to continue to um to offer the service at the the venues that I work at and the rounds that I work for, um and continue to to go to other people's shows. Like when they do bigger shows and they they want you know a videographer or somebody to to mix and master their their live show, uh, I would love that to be me, and I would love them to reach out to me. I've had, I think, six, five or six songs that we've recorded for Amadio videos um, that have been released on the streaming platforms as live really? versions of songs. Yeah,
0: I only knew of one. I knew uh, Brockwell Nason released yeah, Six yeah. Strings
1: and a Broken Heart. We've got Brockwell Nason. He's done two. He did. Um, I blame you. Was okay, was the first one uh maddie task is releasing one cool in october yeah in a couple days sarah louise released two of mine i believe and one went number one in austria
2: (laughs) which is crazy like i'm a number one producer
1: right exactly so it's it's exciting and it's cool and i would just love to keep on doing that like like i said this business is mainly yeah, I'm sure I'll get to the point where I start scaling it as a business, but I still see this as like a passion project for my friends mm-hmm. and like artists that are in the same situation as me and your friends who are just playing these rounds, right? Yeah. Uh huh. So we're all in the same boat and I'm glad I can help them out and, uh, you know, make a living out of it.
0: And then mm-hmm. once you have a billboard number one, then you can start charging
1: more. Right. Then <laughs> I'll, then I'll charge a million, one million dollars.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's really cool though because it's really not something that any other show in Nashville offers or any other like Well, yeah, place you have offers. to hire like four people to get one video. Yeah. Because everybody does all these niche things. And I kind of think of it because you're you're making it more affordable to the artist because uh let's just say like you're deferring the cost that would otherwise be to the artist to the venue that's hiring you to be there. Right. So the time that you're being paid to be at the venue You're already paid for, so Mm -hmm. you don't need the artist to
1: pay you to be there since you're already going to. Right. And granted, it is more work that the venue isn't necessarily paying me for. Right. But like I said, I used to just read books and take (laughs) home my paycheck and barely get by living. (laughs) One of my favorite uh, videos of you is on the, yeah,
0: the real <laughs> loop at Songsmiths, and it's you reading a book, and you're just waving at the camera. You're just like, what? Hi. Yep. I was caught lacking, for sure. Oh, <laughs> in brother. 4K. So you're an artist in your own right, though, which we haven't really talked
1: too much about on
0: this episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have any music coming out?
1: Um, I had a m- song come out earlier this year called Temporary High. Uh, that was my last tune to come out. I'm working on demos and some... I'm at a weird point right now where I am making some money, so I'm thinking about... right. Traditionally, in the past, I've recorded and produced all my own stuff in my home studio. Mm-hmm. But now I'm thinking, you know, if I have some income, maybe I can uh, just make some demos, bring them and get them professionally done. So we're going to see where that leaves us. It's probably early 2024. I'm going to have some stuff to put out. Cool. Whether that's home recordings again or um or some professionally recorded stuff. But yeah, we'll see. I definitely got a lot of new songs and a lot of stuff I'm excited about um singing and playing out. But it's just about a, just a long process to get stuff recorded. As you know, (laughs)
0: it it is a long and grueling process putting out music because I I had an idea for a a documentary series a while ago Mm -hmm. that I had a few meetings about and it just kind of fell through the cracks, but I wanted to do a documentary called The Life of a Song and I wanted it to be about how long it takes to get from the idea to the product and how many people touch that because... Imagine you have an idea for a song and then you take it to the co-write that has a couple of people and then you're like, okay, this is going to be the song we're going to cut and then you take it to the studio and then there's the producers and the engineers and the session players and then there's the people who take it to the mixing and the mastering and then there's the marketing and the artwork and all of that and then there's the record label and then there's the live show with the players for the mm-hmm. band and then the promoter of the event. and like, How many people can touch one project right and I thought that that would be a really cool mini series to do like six episodes one on each different aspect of it but it's it's daunting thinking about that because as independent musicians like we really are just in this brain of like everything's expensive I can do everything myself
1: yeah Yeah, I'm and I'm a serial DIYer but um at some point you have to You have to learn how to delegate Mm -hmm. things. (laughs) Which I'm not the best at. You have to bite the bullet. (laughs) Right, yeah. I think I'm scared when there's that many hands, that many cooks in the kitchen. Right. That it's gonna veer away from what I visioned. But I would love to go talk to a major label artist about
0: that. Ask right. about like yeah. how do you feel about the final product yeah. of your music and like how do you deal with that right from from the voice demo on your iphone when you wrote it three years ago how do you feel about the version that you get to play in a stadium now mm-hmm. because certainly there'd be people who would say oh, i love it it's awesome it's exactly the way i wanted it to be but there's always going to be people who are like it kind of got lost in the translation of like all of these people, well, yeah, have and their we hear that all the it.
1: time. They call it like selling yeah. out, or what
0: is it? And the I management mean, like... and the labels and everybody who have a say in what you, the product, is the musician get to put out. Mm-hmm. I would be kind of scared of that.
1: Yeah, but I guess at some point you're making so much money that, <laughs> right? If I was you can kind of be like, well, can I complain? Yeah, that. It's like, yeah. hey, you can play this song. That, that I liked. didn't get a down chorus in my third <laughs> chorus.
0: You know? And then it's going to crescendo to the break.
1: Right, yeah. <laughs> Unforgivable.
0: <laughs> but yeah, the life of a song would just kind of be a... It, it, it's like original idea was being like a long-form documentary, but it may just be cool as a short video series like to give people an idea of how many people actually touch an idea like that. Mm-hmm. But let's see. You do all the video and the audio and everything. Where can people... Find your, your audio business and your music and your personal Instagram and everything.
1: Yeah. So, my personal and my music Instagram are the same at Alex Amado Music. And Amadio's page is Amadio, A M A D I O Sound on Instagram. Amadio so, that's where I've sound. got a lot of examples of all the videos that people have been doing and, uh, you know, some one off projects. I do travel. To uh, other events, other rounds, and do videography or both video and audio, whatever whatever people want. Like I said, I'm just doing this for uh for my friends and uh, been on some exciting projects, which is cool. So, so if definitely you're in check Nashville it out. And you're playing mm-hmm. a
0: show and you need AV, contact Mario. AV solutions. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got new music that'll hopefully come out next year sometime as well.
1: Yeah, working on that, but uh, TBD. TBD.
0: Uh huh. (laughs) Well, follow Alex Amato on your Instagrams, your Spotify's, your Apple Musics. My personal favorite of yours right now is Revolve. I listen to that song on a regular basis. Plus, I also have Saturn tattooed on me, which is the artwork for that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. But the the Revolve is my favorite of yours right now. Not the Revolve, just Revolve. Um, But do you have anything else you'd like to say before we sign off for the week?
1: No man, got some shows coming up with a tour stop playing tomorrow at Cambria, and I got a a revolver show right at Dogwood. And you're gonna play some guitar for me. Yep, I'm gonna I'm (laughs) gonna rip some lead guitar. Phyllis is drooling. Yep, Other Phyllis than that, is um, <laughs> sometimes
0: it's out of her mouth. Sometimes it's out of her nose. Mm. She's get those big sleepy heavy eyes. You you you're just blinking so oh, long. Yeah, I'm that afternoon you right nap. Now. But y'all, thank you for listening to the 99th episode of the Nashville Tour Stop podcast with Mister Alex Amato. We will be back next week with our Centennial Podcast. We're doing a three-part episode. There will be three episodes all coming out the same day. We're going to have part one, which is fan favorite memories, and then my own personal favorite memories of Tour Stop. Uh, We've got a whole bunch of folks who sent in their specific memories over like a I think it was a voice memo most people used but we spliced all that together so you can hear some of our fans favorite memories episode 2 will be welcoming back our first co-host Mr. Mike Dunbar and then episode 3 will be welcoming back our other co-host Miss Erin Cooper to catch you guys up on what our former co-hosts are doing these days so even though that is the end of our 99th episode thank you for listening please remember to subscribe share us Tell anybody, leave us a five-star review. I just crossed into double-digit five-star reviews. (laughs) We hit 10, you guys. We did it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this many episodes of the podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Nashville Tour Stop. You can also find our full live event calendar at NashvilleTourStop.com. Come hang out with me at a show. Come hang out with Alex. You'll probably see him there. He's just about everything these days. But until next week, when we come back for the centennial, please do remember that all roads lead right back here to the Nashville Tour Stop.